Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's let the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, I think we're going to have to get real. And I think we're going to have to throw some some old-timey sayings some uh, pull out our malarkeys pull out our specific references that people have to google to see if they're actually a thing because that's right listeners um the the debates are back the democratic primary debates are back and we're going to be talking about them a bit this time i'm going to throw my hands up in the air there i did it <laughs> there you go well done you i'm going to ask you to play right into your in, you know ridiculously cuddly and uh uh, irritatingly persona you know accepted persona of behaviors that would be eliminating disqualifying for any woman but which we've all decided are adorable and therefore uh, when i ask you to play into them it's just going to help you and i don't know who advised me about this but okay i'm getting it lost in the weeds here uh listeners there there was a bunch of tv this week however uh, i have i am on location as you may be able to hear so we're going to try to keep the week in TV on the shorter side, which means we're skipping a lot of the news from TCAs. Um, there was news. If it is still of interest to us next week, we will talk about it. The big thing that is of interest, the big two things that are of interest is that HBO Max apparently has the rights to, drumroll, Noel. Doctor Who, which is just weird. New Who, and not, and not Classic Who. No, it's, it, yeah, no, it's the new Who stuff. Um, so all the stuff preceding, like the, starting with Davies, basically. Yeah, so it's, um, well, I mean, come, you, you, you don't know how we do this. It's starting with the Eccleston, yeah. you know, yeah. Ninth Doctor. That's how we, we do, we do these yeah. things in Doctor number. Um, so Ninth Doctor. I couldn't think uh, of Eccleston's name. So <laughs> the Davies name just came right to me. Right to, yeah. Well, I still haven't watched Years and Years, which is, Davy's most recent project, which I've yeah. heard is very good, but also soul crushing. Um, it has finale this week, and I still haven't started it. Are you going to check that out eventually, or are you just like don't don't need that right now? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't need that. I think right most now. of I think us don't need that. Is what I've decided is that I don't need that right now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no. This is just it's it's a big acquisition. Um, it's a very netflix acquisition Mm -hmm. um in terms of we're going to license something that we do not own because we know it's going to get people to subscribe to our service it's a very netflix move for a platform that's going to have friends yeah (laughs) on it eventually yeah um so it's just it's a weird move but it's a very aggressive move for HBO Max and also just keeps reminding me that HBO Max is just such a terrible name mm-hmm. um, for all of this. But yeah, it's just it's 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 weird, but it's it it makes so much sense, and I'm sure that they are sinking a lot of money into this. Yeah, with the uh, HBO BBC kind of co-productions that have been happening more recently, yeah. and and the things that that makes sense. Um, I guess there's no chance that BBC America is doing any sort of streaming thing anytime soon so you know makes sense to to go to hbo they've got an app Mm -hmm. but that's different from having like a full-on service like 
what yeah. Warner Warner Media is gonna yeah. is is setting up with HBO Max. It's like the CBS All Access uh, Star Trek play. There's an audience that will come to HBO Max just for Doctor Who, and there yes. is literally no other program that you could get that would get them to subscribe. Um, so it's yeah. smart on that front. But unlike with CBS Ugh. All Access, they actually have a bunch of other things that other audiences will like too. Yeah, this also reminds me that I need to cancel my CBS All Access. Yeah, do that. (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking I'm going to finish The Twilight Zone, and we both know I'm lying to myself. You're not going to finish The Twilight Zone. That's not going to happen. But we will both finish uh, whatever form of Runaways we get next, because we still haven't heard if the show's renewed, I don't think. But we do know we are going to get a little bit more Cloak. Oh, and I said Runaways. I meant Cloak and Dagger. I apologize. We know we're going to get a little bit more cloak and dagger because they're going to do a crossover episode just a episode with uh runaways over on hulu uh they announced that today it'll air sometime in december which is when the new season of runaways premieres now i gotta get caught up on runaways (laughs) yeah well yeah now you do so have fun with that (laughs) um yeah like i said i think when we were wrapping up cloak and dagger discussion i'm not particularly like keen on this crossover um, I'm glad it's only an episode, and I know it's like canonical to the comics that Cloak and Dagger show up in the Runaways comic and have a little adventure with the Runaways. But I'm kind of like, I don't know that I really need this. Mm-hmm. But you know, if it means that Cloak and Dagger can find life, maybe on Hulu if Freeform doesn't want it anymore for some reason, I'm maybe okay with that. So I'm like, I'm I'm since Freeform has not renewed for a third season yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to assume that there's maybe a discussion happening about what Disney wants to do. And I'm hoping it's keep going with the show, but I also hope it's do not put these two characters in this show because they do not belong on this show. Not even a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. Yeah. They very much belong in their own show and totally, totally different show. Yes. Yes. The the last bit of TV. I... Uh, yes. I, I just, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm just like, I can't wait for Tandy and Tyrone to come and see these poor, rich. Poor rich kids, yeah. Poor rich kids just living it rough in their massive underground mansion. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I just, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh, your parents are trying to take over the world. We fought a jazz guy who's sucking the souls out of everyone in New Orleans. How's that going for you? Almost ended the world. Uh, my brother was killed by a cop. Uh, my abusive father uh, uh, was killed in an explosion. You know, we, we've we got... Oh, God. Okay. But yeah, no, this mansion it sure stinks that it's underground. That's hard. Anyways, um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, the, the last bit of TV, um, I would say news, but it's not really news. It's just uh, entertainment. Uh, for me this week was the announcing, I guess, in Variety or Entertainment Week somewhere, some the casting uh, for Joss Whedon's new HBO show. And oh, yeah, yeah. It was just hilarious. And the ca- I mean, the thing that kills me is the cast is really good. Yes. Everyone that I am familiar with in that cast is excellent. And the character write-ups and the names are, listener, d- gentle listener, they are hilarious. They are so Whedon personified. Like, if I were going to write a parody, like an Onion article on, on this theme of, of, of Whedon characters for a new show, I could not come up with more hilariously specific, tropey, 
Whedon types than they did than Whedon actually did for his new show. Down to your lead character of Amalia True or Amalia True. Wonder if they're going to call her Mal for short because they're definitely not calling her Amalia the whole time. Um, but she's played by Laura Donnelly, which is enough of a reason for other people, for many people to watch. She's, of course, fantastic on Outlander. She just got nominated for a Tony for Best Actress at the last Tony Awards. She's really good. Um, but I just was like you like we were talking about this. And like you said, it's just exhausting to read these descriptions. <laughs> and I mean, for me, it's hilarious. And I'm definitely not watching. Uh, they would take something big to get me to watch um, and I mean, maybe it'll be good. It just I can't see how it possibly could be based on these character descriptions, despite having a really talented cast. I mean, you're skipping over some of the other stuff, like Lavinia Bidlow, which is great. The the uh, tortured <laughs> brunette waif who Bedlam waif who's named Malady, i.e., who is uh, who was literally tortured by doctors and There's Penance Adair. That's also gonna be really that's really solid there. Um, we haven't even given the, like, the log line for what this show's about. I liked, uh, um, Augie, Augustus, who's totally not Wash. He's not Wash at all. Or also Simon. And, uh, the Nick Frost is playing Badger. I'm sorry, he's playing the Beggar King, which is like Badger, just more obnoxious. Whose real name is Declan Oran. Which um, is also, yeah, no. yeah so yeah. <laughs> hilariously yeah. on point. And Dennis O'Hare is yeah. playing Niska, and it's like, oh, Dennis O'Hare is going to be so good at that. But <laughs> I don't care. Oh, this cast is ridiculous. Yeah, it's rough. It's yeah. rough. Anyway, so maybe you're excited about that show, listeners. Uh, no, about, I'm not. About oh, the touch. listeners may be excited, yeah. <laughs> but we are not. <laughs> we are not going to be uh, planning on, uh, to watch. Uh, we're not going to be watching, but... Um, Maybe, maybe you will. And the comment sections that I was seeing were like equal parts, people having a similar reaction to the two of us and people be like, oh, this looks so great. And I was like, oh, I remember when I would have been saying this looks so great. And it's, I feel like it's been ages. I feel like I've just uh, got, gone on such a journey as a viewer since then. Um, almost makes me wistful for an earlier day before I knew what a skis Whedon is. Um, so... Anyways, that was the last bit of entertainment for me. This was just seeing the, how exactly how stereotypical and hilarious the new Whedon characters are. Uh, but yes, as I said, your model may vary. At the end of the show this week, we're talking Veronica Mars season four, which was a lot of fun. As a, we went long on that one, I didn't anticipate that, but there, you know, yeah, we had things to say. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was well, fun. Yeah, no, the entire conversation, everyone, is the bomb. (laughs) 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 I see what you did there. Because it's about a serial bomber. a serial bomber. That's that's the thread. Just like that joke was a complete bomb. Double wordplay. I see what you did there. Very nice. Um, Now we're going to take a break. I'm just, we're going to move right on. I'm going to take, we're going to take a break and we're going to listen to a little music from this week in TV and we'll be right back with our week in TV. Noche de luna llena para confesarte lo mucho que me gustas, lo mucho que hay en una flor para perfumarte del amor del que voy a hablarte y quiero demostrarte lo mucho que me gustas, lo mucho que me gustas. 
This week in TV, we're going to kick things off by talking the Jane the Virgin finale, <sighs> series finale, and also their your kind of cheat to get to episode 100, which was their interview episode. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have thoughts on that. Then I'll talk the Archer 1999 finale, Robert De Niro, I think. I have to double check that. I think that's the episode title. Then Grownish, Mind Playing Tricks on Me. Full Frontal with Samantha Bee's episode for this week. I'll talk a little Claws, What is Happening to America, directed by uh, Carrie Preston, which is going to be the main thrust of that conversation. Uh, briefly, I'll talk about uh, Pose Blow. And a couple thoughts on So You Think You Can Dance. Final cut, the top 10 girls. And we'll round things out with a few thoughts on the Demo- uh, Democratic presidential primary debates this week. So first up is, I think, that where we're going to spend the bulk of our, our, our TV gushing this week, I'm guessing, is on the Jane the Virgin finale. First, let's start with the actual episode, which is chapter 100. And uh, all the critic buzz from people we knew who had screeners was that it was really lovely and terrific and really nailed the finale. I thought that that pretty much lived up to that hype. I had a lot of fun with this episode. I thought it was a really delightful way to end the show. What did you think? No, it's very, very sweet. Um, It's very Jane. Yes, it is. It's very Jane down to the fact that Here's the bus. And it's just like, oh. <gasps> There's a bus. So many, I was bus. watching this in the airport on my flight to D.C. To, and mm-hmm. then I was watching it on the plane. And I'm just like standing in line waiting to go get up to, t, you know, TSA. And 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 I'm just like, it's early in the episode. And I'm just like starting to tear up. And I'm like, keep it together. You're gonna, they're going to seem suspicious at security if you're crying. And you just go... But he wants him to call him dad. You don't understand, TSA lady. That's a big deal for them. <laughs> so it was just right. Like the whole thing was just pure sentiment and yes. and emotion and heart. And I was so glad that there wasn't some final switcher, that, that there was no mislead. Because when I we thought that there were two episodes left. Yeah. The, the idea that the wedding was just going to be the last two, like that was it, just wedding stuff for the last two. It's like, there's no way they're going to get two episodes out of that. There must be some other Rose kind of thing. And so when it was just the one episode, I was like, oh, thank goodness they got rid of all the Rose stuff, all of that other drama, because what matters, what the show has always been, at least for me, has been everything we get in this finale. And I thought it was sweet, and I thought it was endearing, and I thought it was kind, and I thought it was warm, and I thought it was joyful, and I thought it was exactly what the heart and core of Jane the Virgin has always been. It is. It's just, it's big gestures. It's, all right, I'm going to go to the publisher, the printer, to get this fixed, Um, which is so good and also just really nice in terms of that the conflict, air quotes, around this episode is that Jane is once again putting Raph second um, to not getting her vows written. And it's just like, Jane, you need to stop doing this. <laughs> you can't keep doing this to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bad. Don't do it anymore. Um, I am not Teen Raphael, but it's it's too much. It's too much. You need to stop. 
Um, so, but I appreciated how they navigated that. And I appreciate the fact that we don't hear their vows. Like, I really appreciated that choice a lot. I loved that. It's so good. Um, in not only from a writing perspective of, well, we don't have to come up with something, (laughs) but also just, it's really, it's really sweet and it's really intimate. And I really like that idea a lot. Um, just for me. And then they don't have to try to live up to or compare to the Michael vows. Right, so exactly. Sweet. You know, they just do, they just go a very different way. And I also completely believe that both of them are such emotional saps <laughs> that they just like can't speak. Yes. Like it's very in character. I think that's kind of like the big takeaway from all of this is that it's all very in character. Rogelio needs an emotional validation from raf um just the dad stuff is very good and when he finally says it it's like oh this is good mm-hmm. and then he turns to zoe and he goes thank you mom no no thank no, you it's just like we're not oh, doing this that's <laughs> so good it's so good and that's the thing is like everything's perfectly calibrated in this episode down to like petra being like i wish you all the happiness and that's a big deal because i don't wish happiness for other people mm-hmm. and it's just like Oh, Petra, you're so good and pure, and we don't deserve you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's all. I think that's all really, really good, and it's really sweet. It doesn't try like too hard to like be anything other than exactly what it needed to be, which is this wedding to be this moment. And even like the one big fun telenovela esque reveal is Latin lover narrator is Mateo, and it's just like yes. Oh. It's so good. I needed that. And then it happened. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And (sighs) it's, it's like the perfect touch for it. It's Mm -hmm. literally the perfect like button on all of this is that it's been Mateo telling the story the whole time. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, oh, I kind of can't get over how really perfect it is. And I'm sure, I am sure that people figured that out Mm -hmm. well ahead of us. But as soon as it like came out, I just went. <gasps> that's perfect. And also you got Rita Moreno back for the finale. And the <laughs> fact that she cares more about Mateo than Rogelio is exactly correct. <laughs> so no, yeah. it's, it's just, it's really good. It's really lovely. The biggest problem I have with it is that they hyphenate 100 and I don't know why in the title card. And it bugged the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incorrect. That's not how you do. That's not how you, that's not how you do that. <laughs> Yeah, you're 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 wrong, show. You're sorry, <laughs> but you're wrong about that. Um, yeah, you know, and they were just very committed to this idea of a hundred episodes, and yes. it's a shame because they didn't have an episode, a hundred episodes of story, and yeah. that's very clear with their chapter ninety nine is a bunch of cast and crew interviews, which was nice and all, but it was a DVD extra. That yes. they aired as if it was an episode. And I'm yes. sorry, you are not the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend live show. This doesn't work. <laughs> Crazy Ex-Girlfriend live show was the perfect way to end that series. And that was amazing. This was just kind of weird. And I saw online some people on Twitter didn't realize there had been a second episode that aired. So they thought the <gasps> finale was next week. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's or their DVRs good. didn't pick it up, you know? Yeah. Um yeah, it was very strange. Also, this season, while I have enjoyed it overall, has yeah. really suffered from too many episodes. Yes. The, the Michael, Jason stuff, 
did not need anywhere near the number of episodes they gave it, the fallout coming back from that, the This Is Mars stuff, the River Field stuff. Individually, I enjoyed those storylines, but they got way too much time because they were filling time to get to 100. And yes. it's really... I wish they hadn't so fully committed to that number as such an important thing to them. Or maybe it's to the production and to like the number of episodes of syndication or who knows why. But it doesn't matter. Like a hundred episodes for syndication doesn't mean anything, especially when you actually really only have 99. Yeah. Yeah. So no syndicator is going to air a chapter 99 of this show. No. Why would you pay them for that? Yeah. No. Um, yeah, so so it's sort of that part of it I think is a shame. But as far as so like the season overall really suffers from that in a way that many of the other most I think most of the other seasons don't nearly as much. But as an as an episode, as a like a single episode, as a finale, I thought chapter one hundred was very sweet, a very strong finale, and right just pitch perfect for the show. Um, there were a couple little things that I enjoyed in chapter ninety nine. Uh, yep. I enjoyed the little story about Gloria Estefan watching the show with her husband and like getting like enjoying the shout out, and then the, them being able to make the cameo happen. Like I, some of those other moments, I had sort of forgotten about. Turkey basters as gifts. <laughs> I thought that was great. Oh, you know what we haven't mentioned from the finale that we got to mention. I loved the way that they handled Jr. and Petra. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I love the idea that Petra doesn't need Jr., but she she really would like her. <laughs> you know, yes. she she's built a a life that she's thriving without her, um, and she's so engaged and excited and fulfilled in her work. But if she, if she can be that and also with this woman that she clearly just so adores and loves that's even better i thought that was a really sweet way to handle that arc for petra yeah yeah i mean i really was really happy when jr showed up but then i was also very upset because jr looks significantly better than jane does mm-hmm. and it's just it's really mean that she showed up the ride like that <laughs> <laughs> i mean jane looks great i didn't don't, yes. didn't love the hair i like the the idea of the flowers i think the dress is pretty but you don't really get to see it which is a shame no you don't which is a real shame yeah and i think that they were again worried about comparisons um between the mm-hmm. previous dress and this dress but yeah you know i think that it's i mean i would have liked to have seen that be more of a reveal like they don't actually seem like they're gonna do a reveal and then they do an overhead shot instead and you never really get the the like the money shot of her walking up the aisle like the big and, and that seems very confusing to me but otherwise that's all i that's all i have for this finale i'm gonna miss the show i thought they balanced the tensions really well i thought the the fake out with ro and zoe worked really well and felt again felt organic i enjoyed everything with, with rita moreno um and yeah it just was a really lovely final episode yeah it was it was really really good and yeah i'm sad it's gone yeah i'm sad it's gone we're gonna miss you jane the virgin tears uh, I I am going to miss Archer nineteen ninety nine a hell of a lot less, um, because this finale. Okay, so what, I, what the reason I'm talking about this finale at all is that at the end of the finale, spoiler alert, they have Archer wake up in the hospital, and it's been mm-hmm. three years. Um, okay. and so then they kind of leave it off in such a place that we're back to the original characters, but who knows what's happened in the three years? 
um, that he's been in the hospital and, you know, we'll kind of go from there. But um, this episode, like so much of it is filler and it's not particularly interesting or fun filler. And that's really how these seasons have felt since the PI season, which I thought actually worked really well. But the was it Danger Island or whatever season? Yeah. I was surprised. Really didn't work for me uh, as a whole by the end. And this 1999, it's not nearly as good as I feel like it should have been. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really excited to get back to the regular world and we'll, you know, see kind of where they're at now. The They, they very intentionally leave things vague about the, the baby um, and Lana and what all's going on. So we'll see what the next season of Archer is and who knows what they're going to even do. But I'm glad that it seems at least that we're done with these flights of fancy. If the flights of fancy aren't going to be better than the baseline of the show. So we'll see what that brings in its next season, but let's move on now to grownish mind playing tricks on me. And for me, this really was just everybody looking gorgeous Yes. And I, I really felt like I missed an episode, like between the I did one too. And okay, it's not just me. Good. <laughs> um, but I was just like, where did this come from? The, the, if this is a point of tension with with these two, with Zoe and with Luca, they need to break up. It's yeah, no. Like I legitimately thought I missed an episode. I thought maybe two episodes aired, and my DVR only aired only caught one. Yeah, yeah, me too. Because I was just like, but no, we had that ending with. With the leg, and then here we go. Here she is, and it's like, wait, no, what? That was a bigger. I'm confused about mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to care about right now. Um, Where did but... they all get those fabulous dresses from? Isn't Zoe broke? Yes, yes, she's supposed to be. I thought she was. Um, and this just gets into like larger things. Like, I really like this whole concept of the sort of fundraising gala. I guess mm-hmm. uh, that flows really nicely from the previous episode but the through line between that is not super clear and explained and so that was frustrating but ultimately like the larger frustration is is that they're still navigating this concept of how zoe and luca communicate with one another and how poorly they communicate with one another Mm -hmm. which on the one hand is realistic for people their age group i think and for pretty much any age group depending on who you are and what your background is maturity levels yes and maturity levels um but on the other hand we're rehashing stuff again of like what am i giving up Mm -hmm. and should i be telling people i'm giving the giving what i'm giving up and that kind of thing and well, I enjoyed the whole discussion about that veggie that veggie slider, and it did look delicious. But it just we've we've covered this ground before, and I feel like we're backsliding a little bit into something that I'm not interested in because I wasn't interested in it the first time. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a continuation. It doesn't feel like a development. It does feel like a rehash. And if it this was part of a larger exploration. They had had some conversations, like, between those two, like, the previous episode and this episode, then that would be more interesting. But instead, it just feels like the same thing. And also, I don't feel like we've seen anything from Luca that would make it seem like he would have a negative reaction to this. Yeah, 
Yeah, but I feel like he probably would, but it's also real hard to tell because they that character is written so closed off. The character's whenever they need him to be. Right, and that's the problem. Is like he's written closed off so that they have options, mm-hmm. and that's that's not great, especially for your romantic lead. But it, it's also really telling because he has no other real connection to anyone associated with this main cast aside from Zoe. Mm-hmm. Like he has no storylines of his own that aren't Zoe related, um, and that's that's also troubling in terms of what that character means. And the short answer, like you said, is. It's whatever they need him to mean, depending on the week. Yeah. Um, I am glad that it was a mislead with the Aaron Zoe stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm very tired of that, even as a mislead. And Mm -hmm. the the Anna Aaron stuff, like when she helps him out, I was just like, no, no, run away. Don't even just do this much. Um, Yeah. And and I'm hoping that that was what they wanted us to feel and that it, it's a sign of Anna, like, moving on and, like, seeing, like, choosing to do the emotional labor and aware that it's not good that she's doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't trust the show around that yeah. corner. So it's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, no. And we shouldn't. And we should also point out that Vivek's not even in this episode or mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's just weird yeah any yeah. other grown-ups thoughts no no yeah uh, let's move on to full frontal with samantha b what did you think of what did you think of their decision to just combine basically like ignore the debates considering yeah. when they air and when the debates were and to instead focus on topics that were very much you know discussed during the debates yeah no i think that's a good idea um for them because they're not they're not a daily they're not a daily program Mm -hmm. um so they didn't do they're not going to do a live show um a la colbert myers and noah um who all did live shows this week Mm -hmm. um to at least make fun of the first half of each of the debates this week Mm -hmm. um because that's what they had time for to make jokes um but i think focusing on the student debt stuff and then that particular provision of immigration law that castro brought up in the first set of debates uh, was really good in terms of we're going to address two topics and we're going to kind of suss them out a little bit and take a stand on what we as a show think should be done. Um, The student loan one was fine. I mean, that as a segment on stuff is becoming overplayed in terms of what is being said and how it's being said, but it's also important because people have so much debt and it needs to be aware of and counter the narrative of, well, who's going to pay for it? And it's like, well. It's hurting all of us. It's hurting the entire economy. And I liked them also folks, at least doing a quick mention of someone who is older having this student debt, that she went to go get her master's in her 50s, and now she has stuff that she's never going to be able to pay off. Um, So I think recontextualizing that in terms of a, by the way, it's a boomer problem as well sort of deal, which is something I think they should have done more with um, so that there's there's less of a, ugh, entitled millennials think everything should be free mm-hmm. um, sort of mentality, I think would have helped to counter that kind of a concept. Um, so that was fine. The immigration stuff, I think, was largely 
okay. Um, it relied really heavily on them having Castro for five minutes mm-hmm. and then being like, okay, we're done. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's a good overview, but I also think it's like a month too late mm-hmm. is the other problem. But um, it lets Castro appear on TV to another audience, which is good for him. Yeah. I liked the Moscow Mitch part and yes. specifically the I can't I still can't remember the name of that correspondent uh, just like in a in a like a eating area like in a park area just going like does yeah. any literally does anybody within the sound of my voice like Mitch McConnell just like the one person going no <laughs> yeah and I really enjoyed that segment but I'm also just like but you're in the you're in a metropolitan area of Kentucky yeah statistically <laughs> yes Try again in another location, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Outside yeah. of Lexington. <laughs> it would have been very interesting to see if they actually found people who do support Mitch yes. McConnell. And, and to yeah. find out if it's a, they actually like Mitch McConnell or that they dislike other people more than Mitch McConnell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. If they if they do any similar segments, I feel like kind of feel like they, they like checked it off their list, and so they're not going to return to this topic anytime soon. Um, but I would be much more interested in seeing them like find the thirty percent that actually likes Mitch. Right. Yeah. No, that's the thing. It's like okay, he's and, like, here. What's yeah? Pl- place them in proportion. <laughs> you know. So right. Show the seven I people mean, who don't like, and then the three people who do. <laughs> Right. I don't need, like, them to have, like, a whole platform, but it's just... And I don't even need, like, the balance. It's just, like, you cherry-picked your sample, which is fine for the point you're wanting to make and to bolster McGrath's profile. Um, McGrath, that's her name, right? Yeah, Amy McGrath, yes. Um, Which is good um, to bolster that profile. And I appreciated their (laughs) legally cleared Kentucky fried chicken mm-hmm. um, buckets. Um, but I, it was just one of those things of mm, this is kind of what you get dinged for sometimes um, yeah. with this kind of a segment. And so I would have been like, all right, we don't need to hear from them as to why they like him, but people do because they keep electing him beyond just incumbency. Um, so that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We'll see if that comes back. Uh, I would hope it will, but I'm not very optimistic about that. Um, but let's move on to our next episode, and that's Claws, What is Happening to America. This one is directed by Carrie Preston. There were some interesting directorial choices in this that I thought were effective, but I wasn't sure watching it how much of it was Preston and how much of that was in the script, because I feel like a lot of it is very stylized, but a lot of that is probably in the script. So I don't know exactly where the line with that would be um i thought that doing the lady Macbeth bloodstained hands thing um was effective if on the nose of it like it's a bit much uh i continue to hate the just torturing anne and the stuff with desmond dean is really good and the like the break into the confederate um sympathizing uh POS was just delightful and like bashing the the gun toting made on the head with a swastika statue was you know that that's what I tune into claws for that's what like going to steal confederate gold to pay off the triads like yes that's why we're watching claws 
Yes, that's why we're watching Claws. Why didn't I watch this episode? Apparently you should watch this the episode. <laughs> Apparently I should, but also that should have been like the whole season is them planning a heist to steal Confederate gold. Yeah. Well, and, and the meanwhile... <laughs> that should have been the season. <laughs> you have the you have the decoys on the front porch. Um, just the white people, the nice white people <laughs> distracting the racist. Um so that that all the d- difficult, troublesome characters can break in, you know, around back is is delightful and super fun. So I thought that the, like it was it was an entertaining episode that part of it, um, but I, I still really struggle with other as- aspects of the show and where kind of where they're going right now. Um, we'll see about the rest. I'll probably finish up the episode the season because there's only two more. There's but, only uh, two, yeah, yeah, and then and then I'll have a nice long season off you know off season and i'm sure i'll be back then for season four um after i get a little distance but yeah there was some fun stuff in here which really helped preston i thought did a good job um and if it was stylized and effective but almost a bit a bit showy um oh and the 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 jumpsuit the black and white jumpsuit from the previous episode and this episode is just stunning and like she looks amazing. So very well done to the, you know, top, top marks to the costume department for that. Uh, let's move right on to, to pose and blow. I wanted to mention this episode because uh, the, the sort of tipping point uh, of the season where everybody, everything's been going their way for much of the season, if not all of it is has started to turn vogue is down in the charts all the all the interest in the ballroom culture has gone away people are starting to get depressed um people who overinvested in this is our breakthrough moment and not you know a rich people fad um are you know dealing with that um so so i thought that the the downturns we see in this episode were effective and believable and very well played i enjoyed the caper that they that they put together uh, (laughs) in what it may mean um for the continued presence of frederica meaning patty lapone on the show and uh yeah i thought it was a solid episode i'm very concerned for what's headed our way by the end of the season i have a feeling we're going to get our heart broken even more than we did in this episode <sighs> poor ricky um but uh we'll see what comes next i really it was a really strong episode so you think you can dance is down to like only one episode left before the live shows or the i mean live to tape and um I just wanted to mention it because what they're doing this season again, like they did previously is get to a top 20 and then have one week where they cut half of the people. And it's, it's so aggravating because like we're on going to be on episode nine and then episode 10 will be the first live one. And they go right to a top 10 where you limit it to a week. So there's only be like four live shows. What's the point of the show? If more than half the show is the auditions. Come on. Um, the, the final, like top five for the girls. I thought a couple of them were the right picks. A couple, a couple of them were questionable, and at least one of them just was ridiculous and should not have been there. Nod should have been in. And I will watch the top ten boys and see what I think of that. Um, and then that'll determine whether I stick with the live shows. But yeah, yeah, some of these choices were. Uh, I wish I could say I was surprised at how white bread the final pick is and how contemporary heavy, like all three contemporary girls in the top 10 made the top five. Um, 
and some people who just like absolutely crushed and destroyed their top 10 like the the dance they had this week were cut while people who faltered were passed through to the top 5 and then what's the point of doing a top 10 if you're going to ignore the 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 performance that week and pick go with your favorites from the previous week why are they even yeah. there? If there, it means that, that Nas never, ha- who completely crushed it, had no shot of ever getting in the top ten because she could not have done better, and other people did mess up. So why are we watching? Why am I watching this? She asked herself. Anyways, I just wanted to mention that because uh, my love hate relationship with So You Think You Dance continues unabated. Let's get to the Democratic presidential debates. And uh, my main takeaway so far is that I'm very excited for the third round of debates where we won't have 20 people. And I'm kind of hoping that we have like 11 so that they have to do it in two so that we get like five or six on a night and so they can actually talk. What, what do you think? Well, I do think that by the time we get to the harder lines for debate qualification, which I think is September... Mm-hmm. Um, then when the DNC has really is drawing some hard lines, um, I think we'll probably end up with 10 or 11, um, 11 at the most. I think 10 is probably more accurate, eight to 10. Yeah. Well, they said um, that if they have more than 10, then they'll do two debates. Yeah. Um, and they should maybe still do two debates anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, because one of the things that was really vexing, particularly with the first night, um, which is the one that I mostly watched from this round, um, was the CNN moderators only giving people like a minute to reply and a minute to provide policy discussions and then cutting them off entirely. Um, 15 more seconds. Like, that's nothing. Yeah. No, that's nothing. And it's... It's frustrating to watch that kind of a thing. And I understand that you've got 10 people on a stage, but then don't have 10 people on a stage, I guess. Well, they're acting like that that was a requirement, right? That this, well, you know, we have to have 10. like, no, you made the rules. You don't have to have 10. Yeah, the DNC made these rules. And I mean, CNN has to abide by them to a degree of, all right, well, we don't have to show them the questions. Um, but... These are the DNC's rules, and we're going to get ratings both ways, and we're going to do what we can to also drive those ratings up by encouraging people to pick fights with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it's not great. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed some of the fights, and I think yeah. that some of them was were refreshing, and it was like a, like, after listening to them outside of the debates talk smack about each other's plans, having them actually have to say that, those things when the person is standing right there and then can react to it and respond. And I disagree because of this and my plan is this. And they can actually discuss when they're actually were discussing. I thought that was great. Um, but they also were like tailor making attack ads for yes. the general. Right. And that's, that's, that's not, that's not a good idea. I feel like um, it does mm-hmm. a disservice, but it also speaks to like the larger sort of issue that, that I have with both of these is CNN's approach to this demonstrates that they just have learned nothing oh, yeah. um, from 2016 of like, they've learned the how to entire... make even more money. Yes. That's basically what, what they've figured out in terms of like, even the way that they announced the lineups of doing a draft basically of, it was really bad. It was really boring. I don't understand why any of this matters. Um, 
And so I think that there's large, I think that there are larger sort of systemic things that came out of the CNN debate as a television event, but also as media responsibility sort of thing of that. I have issues with the fact that Marianne Williamson is still floating around and yes, she's weird and kooky, but she's also a weird, she's also an anti-vaxxer and has a lot of really bad things to say about depression and mental health. And we shouldn't really be giving this lady a platform as weird as she is. She said some great stuff in the debate, like some really uh, very insightful, correct, in my opinion, things. And also she's an anti-vaxxer. She's anti-science. She was saying incredibly hurtful and destructive things throughout the AIDS crisis around health. Yeah. And like, no one should be listening to Mary Williamson. The fact that she had some of the best like sound bites and and like takes in the first debate is not a comment on her. <laughs> it is yeah. a comment on everyone else. Yes. And so I think that there's just there's too many people and it's too difficult to manage and there's not enough room for sort of a substantive thing. But I also think like the way the debates are being split up particularly among the lineups is also one of the things where we get a lot of time with folks who just don't have a legitimate chance of going anywhere yeah and so like in the first night from a presentation of viable candidates type thing it's bernie sanders and elizabeth williams making warren everyone else look oh sorry elizabeth warren um make everyone else look real bad and flat-footed and it's just it's rough to watch that and then the second night has also the up, more upper tier candidates in it in terms of biden harris um booker um just the lack of like discourse between these be, between these more upper tier candidates i think is a problem yeah um and that is something that will hopefully be remedied when <laughs> the campaign size shrinks down a little bit. And so I'm, I also don't know who's hosting or broadcasting or airing uh, the September debates off the top of my head. I hope it's not CNN again, Um, but we'll see. I just, they just sometimes, especially in the first night, just weren't substantive enough for me. And I think there's value in going through like a trial by fire sort of approach in like fine tuning arguments and that kind of a thing. But also, fine-tuning arguments is not what you're going to need when you're debating, air quotes, Donald Trump. Yeah. Because he doesn't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> Having a deep field of actually, like, qualified to run for president people mm-hmm. is exciting. And it allows you to have substantive policy discussions and debates, which we haven't had in a yeah. meaningful way for most of these debates. Um you know, I would I would really appreciate if they would do a handful of topic specific oh, debates. DNC is pushing so hard against those. Those the they really thing. are. Yeah, and I which don't is understand foolish. that. Yeah, it's super foolish. Yeah, but um, but that would be really interesting. And it, it, the trouble is that they we have a deep field of qualified candidates and a bunch of other filler who won't admit that they have no shot. <laughs> they yeah. should just drop out. Um, Run for and, Senate, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. And so I I also wonder who these are for. Because uh-huh. no one is watching these who doesn't already have an opinion. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, maybe by the time we get to September and there's a smaller field, anyone else will be watching these. But I feel like until it's down to just like three, four candidates the average 
undecided voter is not going to watch for three hours a night on CNN to see which of 20 people. No, no, no. This is political theater, and it's mostly just for CNN and MSNBC to get ratings and for the candidates to try to get a soundbite that goes viral and then raises their profile the way that, like, for example, Buttigieg was just blasted up into the top tier through his yes. town hall. So, I mean, I think that the the different the different town halls they were doing before were much more interesting ways to get to know these candidates. Yes. Yeah, no, the town halls were more effective. They were more useful um, in terms of, like you said, a getting to know you sort of deal. Uh, whereas this is not a good way to do this, especially when it's like, wait, I'm sorry, why are we timing their questions but not their opening statements, really? Oh because Those opening statements and the closing statements. Because it was so funny. Like, I came in 15 minutes late to the first one. And I was just like, because of the time difference and everything, I thought it was coming in at the end of the debate uh-huh. <laughs> because everyone was just going around and talking. And I was just like, oh, OK, so they're winding up. No, wait, this is a half hour into the thing. They haven't asked a question. They're doing opening statements. Yeah, there was like a solid five minutes of promotional uh, Bernie versus Warren versus da da da. Like like yeah. like we're doing a Sunday 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 kind of like yeah. promotion, like a fight, like the editing for the introductory like seg like start to the these debates is just like it's the worst example of what we should want our political journalism to be because because it isn't journalism and. Again, like you said, nobody has learned anything from last time, and it's infuriating. Yeah. yeah. So, and on that cheery note, just prove that. Yeah. Any other thoughts about these debates? Any other, you know, from a TV perspective, from a filming perspective? Um, not really. Um, I think, I think just CNN's like sort of wall-to-wall coverage of this is like not great um like they had pre they had pre-game they had pre-game and post-game yes well not only like pre-game but they also like showed speeches from like i think the dnc chair um to hype up the crowd um i caught a little bit of the i want to say deputy mayor of or deputy lieutenant governor of of michigan talking um and he was really really good i like him he's probably someone to keep an eye on um for political stuff um but it was just like why are what i don't understand i don't understand what any of this is and it's sports is what it is like jeff zucker's been super clear is that he's treating this as sports and that's not a good thing that's That's a very bad thing That doesn't lead to good results in our democracy. Our was a democracy, I should say. Um, Okay, on that cheery note, um, more on this. Should we come up with more things to say about, you know, uh, not just from, because we're not, as you can hear, we're not talking about the politics. We're not talking about the positions. We're talking about in terms of television and, and communication and how things are edited and staged and, you know, the theater of it all. Uh, I, yeah. I will say I've been very aware of the costuming choices, and I use that word very deliberately, of all the candidates and... Uh, oh, Klobuchar and Warren need to maybe exchange. Oh, my God. Yeah. I felt real bad that they basically wore the same outfit. And I just oh, went, but they <sighs> didn't. And I have thoughts yeah. about the shading choices. <laughs> no, they're shading choices, but they're basically the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. And like, it's like, how did that happen? to each other. Oh, my yes. goodness. 
Like, it's don't not let this hard. happen again. Like, just, they almost never have to deal with these issues because they almost right. never r- run for election against other women, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. yeah. But it's a wonderful problem to have. And yeah. if I were a campaign manager, you know I would be talking to the other people. And I, you guarantee, if you watch the second night, that yeah. was a conversation that was had. Because yeah. Tulsi Gabbard came out in a white suit, and Kirsten Gillibrand came out in a, I think it was a pink dress. And yes. uh, and uh, Senator Harris, uh, uh, Kamala Harris, came out in a suit with a bright colored uh, yeah. top. And yes, that... Yes, they the the campaign people talk to each other as they should have on the first night. Um, but yeah, no, that was that that the styling has been something I've been following rather entertainedly, and re- I think it actually can be very interesting about the priorities of a campaign um, yeah. for the women, but also for the men too. For also so. for the men, because Andrew Yang is sending a very clear message by looking like casual dude. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm just here I'm here to talk about UBI, everyone. Yeah, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. It's just yeah. going to be chill. But also, global warming is going to kill us all, so that $1,000 I'm going to give you a month just not really going to matter. <laughs> well, that $1,000 a month I'm going to give you, you should just hoard and run away because you'll need it because it's too late to fix climate change. <laughs> Which, like, when he actually said that in the debate, I was just like, wow! you, you Basically, only money will save you, so anyone who's not rich, you're f***ed, is basically what you're saying. But that also is, accurate. Well, anyway, <laughs> but, like, that is an that's a interesting and very. Just, I'm just gonna say with stick with interest. It's a, it's a very interesting thing to hear in a democratic debate. Yeah, um, and Jay so. and Sleep was like, "No, wait! I have so many plans for all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the yeah. Elizabeth Warren of climate change." <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that note, um, maybe I'll be the Elizabeth Warrens of our chosen topics. Um, <laughs> what wins your week in TV? Ah, uh, Jane the Virgin finale. What about you? Yeah, Jane the Virgin finale. Uh, specifically, chapter 100. And yes. uh, shout out to Pose, but Jane the Virgin. <sighs> well, uh, with that, we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back with our season spotlight on Veronica Mars season four. We'll be right back after this. When your best friend is murdered before your 17th birthday, you don't develop a keen sense of mercy. Give me your wallet and phone. Ow. Ow. For the gram. Spring break was always sketchy, but this was worse. Neptune was experiencing a crime wave. Why not we planted that bomb? Follow the money, Mars. It's possible that these bombings are part of a campaign to destroy Neptune as a spring break destination. Strike you as a mass murderer? We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Kolzik, judges ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and that's right, Marshmallows. It's time for Veronica Mars season four. We're gonna dive in with the season as a whole. We will keep things spoiler free. Um, or spoiler light, I guess, until for the first part. And then we're going to dive in with the spoilers at a certain point, but we'll give plenty of notice. Um, I don't know how like this many weeks on, you don't already know the big thing. If you care about Veronica Mars, but just in case, you know, there's, there's a thing or two that are pretty big. 
Um, we're going to hold off on talking about that first. So let's st- kick off with, I guess, let's kick off with uh, how is Veronica Mars held up in your mind and in your imagination since it went off the air? Um, like, I don't remember the movie other than being like, oh, this is fun and not very good, but, you know, still kind of fun. <laughs> um, so I don't really remember the movie much at all. Um, where were you at going into season four? So I didn't remember the movie very well. So I watched it and you can watch it, um, interestingly, not on Hulu, but on HBO, Mm. which is interesting. And I have thoughts about what all of that means, (laughs) but, um, so you can watch the movie on HBO. So I did that because I haven't watched it since it came out. Um, I rented it when it came out because I did not fund the Kickstarter because fuck that noise. (laughs) And, um, I went, oh, this is fun. This is a terrible movie, but this is fun. (laughs) Um, and also, wow, this is also the moment I think when collectively as a culture, we went, oh, Martin Starr looks really good when he's cleaned up. (laughs) But I think that just generally it's good fan service, uh, but it's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. kind of thing um and it gets us back to logan and away from piz which is really what we all wanted um yeah. well except for me because i'm team piz but so it was fine but like i was actually thinking about this today and i was just like i, I feel like i really know the first two seasons pretty well but the third season i think i've only watched it once and that was when it was on tv mm-hmm. i haven't watched it again since so like, I don't know. I don't know. So, but like in my brain, apart from the bad movie, this is a really good show. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I really love. It's one that I really enjoy. Kristen Bell's great. It's got that good neo-noir vibe in a high school, then a college. And it's got all these things that I really like because I'm a sucker for a good noir. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how it's held up is like, this is a good show that I keep thinking about revisiting, but then it's just like, there's so much other stuff to watch. Um, so I just, I haven't, mm-hmm. I don't feel compelled to after watching season four that much though, either. And I have so many questions about this show's future after season four. And I left it going, thinking about the theme song in my head of, Oh, we used to be friends mm-hmm. a long time ago. But maybe I don't want to think about you anymore, except for the fact that I'm pretty sure I would still watch a season five. Yeah. Just to see what happened um, and to see what calibration that the show is making into a fifth season. Um, Should they get one, but they're probably going to get one. So that's kind of where I landed with the show kind of in my brain and then in relation to this. I think it's better than the movie. Um, Well, it's definitely better than the movie, but that isn't saying much. No, it's not because it's a very low bar because it's just it's a very low bar. Yeah. So, but what about you? How did how did you feel about the series going into this surpri- kind of surprise season 4? Yeah, I feel like season 1 and it's been a while since I rewatched, but I feel like season 1 can legitimately stand up as one of the best first seasons. Yes. of TV that I've seen. Like, uh-huh. and, and we've seen a lot of TV <laughs> between the two of us. Like, it's, I, and I think it holds up. I think it's that good. I really do think it is that good. It has its issues, but it's, I think, I think it's that good. Um, season two, again, not as good as season one, but really, that's not season two's fault. That's because season one is so, so gosh darn good. And there was nothing they, they could do in season two that could possibly feel as personal as right. what happens in season one. And if there was, it would feel really false. So, yes. 
I have I I actually like season two more than season one just on a noir level because it's so ridiculously convoluted and twisty and silly. Mm-hmm. But it's season one's a much better season. <laughs> yeah, I have like very little like these little moments that are really crystallized in my memory. Like there's one episode in either season one or season two. I think it's probably season one where uh like Veronica is somebody's like hacked her computer and so she goes for tech support and the person asks her the the teacher is like well you know you make have to make sure you have a secure password what's your password and then she puts on a long random string of numbers and digits and they're like yeah okay so maybe and they made some joke about it because they're funny and pithy and everything like like little moments like that just are crystallized really strongly in my mind when i think of veronica mars as well as of course the big emotional moment like the big climactic yep. moments and everything um or just like these little interactions between veronica and keith or some of these other characters that that's what sticks in my memory it's not all it's not much of season two aside from mac it's not much of season three it's definitely not the movie um and so i have like a it's one of those things where i have a very like you like you a very positive connotation around veronica mars um and a li- enough doubt as to whether it would hold up to that if i rewatched it that i don't really we re- haven't really rewatched season two and three i don't doubt mm-hmm. season one but i, I kind of doubt season two and three um and watching season four it was interesting because i saw it later than like a bunch of critics because i didn't have screeners but yeah. i uh, i was in a slack with a bunch of writers and who had all seen it and they were talking spoiler free but um, it was interesting because there were these writers of color talking about how they hadn't seen the show before. And they're like, wow, why did nobody tell me Veronica Mars is trash? And I was like, that's an interesting reaction. Okay. And I started thinking about some of the elements of the show. And I was like, oh. And then I watched the premiere of season four. And everyone who's not w- white or a person of color there to be a charming best friend um is a criminal and is violent and kills people um and and i was like uh oh oh no oh no the glass is breaking and i think that there are while there are some really great elements to this show um and to the writing that in some parts of i really like it's getting hard for me to ignore some of the blind spots and i think race is a big one that the show does not want to engage with um, but seems to think that it does, which is strange. Um, and- it conflates race and class in a way that doesn't make sense on any sort of level. Yeah. Yes. Which is weird for a show as class aware as it is, but it doesn't understand how those two things go together, but also how those things separate as well. And yeah, yeah it doesn't, it doesn't do a good job on that. Yeah. And then also some of the, the elements around the dynamic here we, that we get with Veronica specifically, but Veronica and, and Logan and this mm-hmm. idea that Veronica in high school with this personality is really interesting and fun. And she's in her, what, mid, late 30s at this point? Mid to late 30s, yeah. And she hasn't changed at all? She's still the exact, she hasn't grown in any way. She hasn't changed. Like Logan, when we we see him at the start of the season, is in a very different emotional place. 
because he's put a lot of work into not, you know, flying it off into violent rages and, and dealing with the trauma of having an abusive father who killed his girlfriend, you know? Um, so like he's a, he's in a very different place. Um, but while still feeling like the same person, she feels yes. trapped in Amber and I get that they're going for the noir thing. I get that. But when that is more important than any character development and when that need to adhere to tone so overrides all of their considerations, I find that unsatisfying, particularly for a TV show. Now, a series of TV movies... I'm down. That sounds perfect. This idea that um, that Rob Thomas has been kind of pitching out there about how he kind of want would like this to become like a Columbo situation or a Murder She Wrote situation, where in the later run of both shows, where they like went instead of being like the weekly TV shows, they were kind of like special TV movies that they would do a set number of them each year and like and have them be specials. That I think is perfect for this, but. How much time do I want to spend with a character, admittedly, a character I genuinely adore and a performance that is so insanely charming that only like this character would not work without Kristen Bell doing it, I don't think. Um, and without the the balance with Enrico Colantoni is like the whole like the, the there's a reason certain people are back and certain other people are not back. And like the, the energy of the the ensemble is very well calibrated. Um, I don't know if I'm interested in, in, in what a weekly TV show needs put through the lens of, a sh of, of Veronica Mars when it cares more about genre than it does about any sort of satisfying character development. Well, this gets into the larger issue of the show in and of itself. Um, I think if you, because of the fact that we've seen veronica age notice i don't say grow up age mm -hmm. yeah then we expect a degree of character development on top of the fact that the show the franchise is serialized um to the point where transmedia stories factor into season four like all this stuff with weevil in season four where weevil is when we come into season four is covered in books mm-hmm because when we leave him in the movie, he's in a very different place. Yeah. Um, and when we come back to him here, he's in a very different place from where he was in the movie. Um, because the movie is, sorry, season four is hellbent on sort of a hard reboot, hard reset of a lot of things. Um, that we expect character growth. We expect change. Um, whereas if we started Veronica Mars in season one here... Mm -hmm. And we just did, like, even, like, not even just did serialized storytelling where Veronica is who she is here. The degree to which we would expect change, I think, is minimized to a certain degree. Because then it's just like, it's Rockford. It's mm -hmm. serialized Rockford. Yeah. And not to suggest that Rockford is as borderline abusive as Veronica is. Mm -hmm. um, but... He's also not the best. Um, and I think that's kind of where it falls. Is like, because of our expectations, because of where Veronica Mars sits within the arc of television um, development and history, we expect a character development. 
Well, um, even just because she started as a teenager. High schooler. Yes, as, and that's what I mean. It's like yeah. we've watched her grow up. And as a result, there should be some degree of change that yeah. has not occurred. And like the idea that she grew up early, she grew up quick because and and, yeah. and like yes, I'm not that's not lo- lost on me. The idea that no, like it's not, but like that makes sense, but also I mean Hopefully, very few of us are the same person now, regardless of the level of trauma we've experienced, that we were, you know, in high school. Yeah. And this gets to, like, the degree to which she's unwilling to change. The fact that she mocks Logan for Mm -hmm. seeing a therapist and working on himself. That she goads him into an angry outburst. Yeah. Um, And then having really hot sex afterwards that she really enjoys and he feels really not great about afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that that also like factors into the degree to which the show doesn't want to deal with change, even in the, the last episode. And we can get into that when we discuss spoilers, because it's like we're gonna we're gonna deal with that by not dealing with that. Yes, in a in a big way. Yes, um, yeah, and and so it just was interesting see getting that experience of seeing other critics who had not. Re- who had never seen the show react to it yep. because I wouldn't have thought of some of these things my, uh, mm-hmm. like on my own, just coming from a starting point of, I really enjoy this show. Yeah. Um, but it's the instant somebody else mentioned it. I was like, Oh God. Okay. They're right. That's interesting. They're not right because you know, they just, they have a different opinion to me. They're right because of all these supporting elements. And I needed an ex- external perspective to cause me to, like look with fresh eyes at some of these these issues in the show but i i will say i think that this season is really on point as far as matching the tone i do agree with the consensus i've seen out there that it is one of the best reboots and refreshes or whatever yeah. returning shows like they capture that energy a low bar well, yes, the fact that it's a low bar doesn't change the fact that they nail the tone. The performances are right where they should be. Like the 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 camaraderie and the chemistry feels right. Veronica is is very stuck, but the other characters all feel like they've had lives that have been yeah. happening off screen, and that's not something that usually happens in these. Yeah, I know. Like, I mean, it's sad because the biggest mystery that we're left with is I want to know who the kid's girlfriend is. <laughs> well, I, I look forward know. to stunt <laughs> casting in the future. Uh, I, I'm so just good. assuming Better that be. the stunt casting we get for Jane uh, is why that character is only in one episode in person. Yeah. And it's because they didn't want to pay the fee for two episodes. Uh, For sure. And that gets into like larger issues about things that happen in this season that just speak to we're trying to conserve our budget. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so it's it's just interesting. Um, anything else we can say before we hit it? So like if you like Veronica Mars and you think I'm crazy for some of the things I'm bringing up, you'll love this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that there are other issues um, with season four, like the main plot, um, the main mystery, uh, and the way in which the mystery, what the mystery is, and the intensity of that mystery, I think is bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But we can get into that when we get into the spoiler section, because I don't understand where a bomb collar comes from in this universe, and I don't care for that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, okay, let's then 
have anyone who doesn't want spoilers, I guess beyond the multiple season one, two, and three spoilers that I've thrown out there. Um, anybody who doesn't want season four spoilers, uh, tap out. We're giving you some time. We're going to do light spoilers now, and we'll save the last five minutes for massive spoilers. So um, general discussion of the season. What I thought it was like well structured in in general. Like there's maybe one twist too many, but I think that the pacing, the eight episodes, works well. Um, I mean, it's a bit stretched. You're very much like I'm watching a TV show, or else we wouldn't have quite so many red herrings. But I think they get a good energy and they get a good pace out of their material. I think that there are enough interesting characters and performances to really like sustain those eight episodes. Um, and they need to bring back <laughs> these supporting characters as far as I'm concerned and they like bringing in JK Simmons. Right. And, uh, and also Kirby Howell Baptiste as like fleshing out the side characters. They well done. Yes. Yes. Very much. Yes. Keep them in this world because they are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, I think eight episodes was a few too many, honestly. Okay. Um, in part because like there are red herrings, but it's also really aggressively clear what's going on really quickly i think oh it wasn't for me i mean like i I knew what it was because i had been spoiled but like i don't know for me it wasn't too obvious for it was for you though yeah 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 i mean it was it was sort of one of those agatha christie type moments where i just go all right putting aside any potential red herrings what is actually about to happen here and who did this Mm -hmm. and that was kind of the approach i took and then i was like oh I was right on both counts. Thank you very much, everyone. Please shower me with your accolades. I figured this out. Um, But I also think that the show, despite wanting to do a couple of twists and turns too many, like um, Howell Baptiste's character as a suspect is just laughable. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that they come up with a way to provide her as a red herring is just like, this this is not a thing. Mm-hmm. please please stop this doesn't make any sense and yeah you can toss a line about her family being in construction to justify it but it doesn't work um so that's sort of like where it is um with me on that so like figuring out both of the kind of misdirects um figuring out both of the culprits i think was just really kind of quick in no small part because i just went are we just doing a pizzagate commentary i think we're just doing a pizzagate commentary everyone um <laughs> So I think that's kind of where I landed is like, it felt a little stretched out for me. And also just the idea of serial bombings was a little much. And the way in which the show kind of struggles to justify keeping it just with the Neptune PD is really hard to swallow. Um, And it was really difficult. And it's just like, no, I feel like... You would have called the FBI at some point, like willingly called them. And so the the degree to which that could be keep that doesn't like spread out faster for me becomes an issue of like we're we want to do this big thing, but we also don't want to like deal with the actual ramifications of this big thing in a realistic sort of setting. Um, but it also gives us an excuse to bring in Leo, so we'll do it, but later. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of yeah. where I fell with it. Is like the bombing kind of. As a serial bomber, it's okay, but serial bombers are also really boring because they just turn into these cat and mouse games that literally boil down to catch me if you can sort of notes. And it's just like, uh, this is boring. And Mm -hmm. then, like I alluded to at the beginning, 
I don't understand how there's a bomb collar. I don't understand how there's a Hunger Games Battle Royale bomb collar that only blows up the head. And I'm just like, but that's not that's not how any of this works. And yeah. Why is this here? Like, it felt like a legitimate kind of jump the shark moment. As, and I'm just like, but this isn't good. I don't like this. Can we do something different, please? Please, anything else? Literally, let's let's just go ahead and do that murder mystery house idea that Rob Thomas is kicking around. Let's just do that right now. Let's mm-hmm. just solve this and do this now because I'm here for that. Yeah. Well, if they had cut down to six episodes, I think you can cut out one of the side stories in which I would say cut out the the des- despidad or whatever the, the yes. yeah obviously cut the the excellent performances I thought though oh my god the. The the talk English thing was obscenely ridiculous. Like, yeah. if you're around people, but they're in their own hotel room with yep. nobody there, and they're and the guys like talk English because this is for an American audience, and it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I know, and they only get away with it because uh, Clifton Collins Jr. is a really good actor, like yeah. really really good. Like, if J.K. Simmons hadn't been here. He walks away with the entire season, but J.K. Simmons is here and yeah. walks away with the entire season. Yeah. And I know that, it's, I get, or I don't know, I get the sense that you weren't big on Pat Oswalt, but I think that this, I think that this uses him really well. Not as no, well as does. Justified. No, but, not as well as Justified, but nothing is going to use Pat Oswalt as well as Justified. Yeah. Well, and, and, and also, you know, it's used Pat Oswalt, but also he gives a good performance. Just like on Justified, yeah. he gives a terrific performance. Um, yeah. And I just also love the meta thing of like as a sort of a tribute to his late wife. Uh, who worked cold cases uh, mm-hmm. for decades, you know, I, I think that's a really cool element to it, which also helps with some of the, like the red herrings and all of that too. Cause, and also, yeah. you know what else helped the, my, the, me buy it, not buy into, but just like not see as blatantly what the obvious solution was uh, is mm-hmm. just my not great memories of the, the movie. <laughs> so I just kind of like, <laughs> Lowered the bar a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see. What else can we talk about? The the collar bomb is stupid. Absolutely agree. Um, the like as things get more heightened, more awareness that things are getting heightened would have been really great from the characters. We don't get that. Um, but I continue to really like everything that we get with Veronica and Logan. I like I like what we get with Keith. I was okay with the solution to that. Yeah, and I was too. Like, um, I was worried like he was lying to her in that last in that scene where he's like, "Oh no, I'm fine," and it's yeah. like, "Oh no, he is actually okay, and it's a medication issue." And it's believable given the fact that they probably just he goes to a doctor who doesn't care and keeps yeah. bad records, and like mm-hmm. that all makes sense. And I actually really appreciate that because it makes the it makes the ending of the show much better. <laughs> Because otherwise, well, they clearly we're gonna, yeah, they weren't gonna, they were and they weren't. Um, yeah. Some other things before we get to the 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 the, the last pull off the last mandate of spoilers. Um, Ryan Hansen is terrific. And yes, just the perfect amount of him. They wisely split Dick and Vinny. <laughs> Basically, yeah, if they needed to, if one is here, then the other one cannot be here. <laughs> <laughs> Budget wise, we just can't have that. <laughs> Uh, Darren Norris is just delightful as Cliff. Oh. I always enjoy Cliff. 
Neptune only has one lawyer, and I'm glad for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, having all of them cycle through for a little while, I think, is really good. Um, it just also speaks to how much this show doesn't understand Wallace or what to do with Wallace, that they can't find anything to mm-hmm. do with Wallace. That they find things to do for Vinny, for Cliff, and for Dick, of all people. But they're just like, Wallace is kind of boring. Um, teacher now? And um, married to a lawyer. Because that way we can explain that massive house he has. <laughs> but we have no story for him. I did really enjoy the little moment on the bus with Maddie and yes. Wallace observing that. I thought that was a lovely little moment. There were some good he little bits there. He should have saved Owen. Poor Owen. He's ruined now. He's It's the slippery yeah. slope. Wallace, you're better than this. Save <laughs> Owen. Save him. Um, I thought yeah, some well, of the stuff we got with Weevil was good. Like the 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 Basically the scenes, not all, but the the general thread of Weevil's stuff with Veronica, I thought worked. The the PCHers as uh, Deus Ex Machina was exhausting, but um, I enjoyed the tensions that we got between Weevil and Veronica around the realities that they both deal with in their lives and the and and Veronica's unwillingness to change, uh, or like Keith would interact with Weevil if they had if they had that relationship. Keith would have reacted a very different way than Veronica does. And that brittleness from her in their dynamic, I think, um, like any, any issues I had was with her and not with Weevil, if that made sense. Yeah. Um, no, I think that makes sense. I also, I just want Weevil to get over Veronica. He's got it so bad for her. And it's just like, buddy, it's not Uh, He really does. It's Um, never going to happen. But you know what we haven't talked about that we need to talk about? Is it? Is it Tyler Alvarez? Do we need to talk about Tyler Alvarez being the shitter? No. No? You don't want to talk about the kid from American Vandal being the shitter? <laughs> I mean, like, okay. That's great. <laughs> no, it's what funny. Do we need to it's talk fun. About? Okay. We need to talk about how insanely charming and hot Max Greenfield is in this as Leo. Like, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I'm glad you thought so. Because, um, like, normally I'm not, I'm not like a super Leo fan. Like, you know, fun enough character. I didn't really get why everybody's all obsessed. Like, oh, Leo's got to be like Leo's in like three episodes. Like, yeah. And also, like, I don't understand other than obviously Max Greenfield. Greenfield is delightful, very talented, very funny. Enjoy his other work. But I thought that they used him just right in this. Um, that character, I thought mm-hmm. that there was an appropriate amount of tension, a good dynamic and banter that worked and brought up issues for Veronica and without going too far and having it feel out of character or explain. Like, it'd be so easy for him to come off as skeezy, like with his dynamic with, with Veronica. And, and at least for me, he never does, which is all down to how Greenfield is playing it. Yeah. Um there was like a layer of vulnerability to to all of their interactions as well that I really enjoyed. So like I I was like that is I was very surprised how much he was in of the season and I thought they used him really well. I thought it was really fun and they can absolutely bring him on for future like one-off episodes and things and have it be like he's her guy on the FBI when she needs a, you know, needs, needs a favor. Um, and I think that can be super fun. And that's not where I was at with Leo before this season. 
Yeah, I think he's. I think it's fine. Um, I I do agree. Like the banter's good. The tension that he creates is good. Um, and that Leo's presence and how he responds to Veronica and how he responds to Logan, um, are both um, what call it? Are both sort of demonstrates the degree to which he's shifted as Leo mm-hmm. to a certain degree and how much. Logan has shifted and how little Veronica has shifted. So I think that dealing with those dynamics, because Leo sort of seems to understand that Veronica has not changed and Mm -hmm. responds accordingly to that, but it also feels a little sad about it. Um, I think Greenfield's fine in this. Um, I think he's at his best in the dream sequence, which I think is like the, where he really turns on the sultry and it's very good. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just, (laughs) just doesn't it didn't really click for me um though i do appreciate the fact that it did lead to that really good i think piz is in the back hey piz <laughs> <laughs> yeah i loved having wallace there that was great <laughs> okay any other things you want to talk about before we rip off the final band-aid i was really glad that they made mention that the principal was about to retire and then decided not to because that man should have retired a long time ago um but Mm -hmm. i also really love that actor and he's so good as the principal like it's kind of ridiculous so Mm -hmm. yeah i agree i agree no um let's let's pull off this band-aid go ahead okay last chance last chance guys run away run away if you don't want the massive spoiler okay um oh you know what i'll say i also i thought that dana Furman was good as carol i thought carol was another character would have been very easy to do poorly um but I thought they did a good job with her. Okay, that should have been enough time for y'all to stop your pod playing devices. Um, so they they exploded Logan, yep. and uh, multiple questions. How did you? Th- what did you think of the decision? How do you think they did it? Did with it? And what do you think of the uh, decision to not show any of it? Um, so not showing any of it, it's fine. Um, it's a weird choice to make in a graphic as season as this is considering there's a bomb collar a couple of other different decapitations or severed heads visible um even if it does lead to the best line reading of jk simmons's entire career of huh um (laughs) so it's a it's a choice but it's also one of those things where the only amount of respect that the show is willing to pay logan in these final moments is not to show him blown up into smithereens after beating him up throughout this entire season um in terms mm-hmm. of how veronica treats him is like this is the this this last indignity is the only dignity he receives basically um from the show to a certain mm-hmm. degree and i think that's nice but also terrible um so the decision to not show it i think is probably for the best um but the ultimate decision is just one that and also the justification for it um from thomas is also really frustrating um but it basically boils down to yeah if someone's happy that's the end of the show so we can't have someone be happy and as many people point out that's yeah, so but, lazy ah, but a ah. coach and mrs coach are happy i mean they're not always happy but they're happy and it doesn't have to be this way yeah, but I really wanted to do a I really wanted to do a traveling noir show, so can't really have her husband who is gone for long stretches of time and would totally be fine with it with her going away. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, Rob. Yeah, no, what it 
what it basically boils down to me is that it seems unnecessarily cruel to Veronica. Um, it seems unnecessarily cruel to Jason Doring in a lot of ways, even though he is also a Scientologist. Um, it seems unnecessarily cruel to like the show and a desire to do something really grim and dark that doesn't feel overly justified even by a genre perspective to a certain degree. Um, a neo-noir genre perspective, maybe, but it just, it feels excessive in this season of serial bombing to then do this, um, even with a bomb. Yeah. Um, and, but it just, it basically just boils down for me to the fact that provided that they're going to leave Neptune, um, which apparently Thomas is even starting to talk back now based on conversations at TCAs that people have been discussing. Um, that it was basically, well, if we just have to worry about Kristen Bell and Rob Thomas's schedules, then this is a much easier show to do. And it's also much cheaper. Um, if Then we can just get whomever is available during our shooting schedule. And I think that that more than anything, this is what this feels like. On top of the laziness of, well, if they're happy, then we don't have a show. And it's like, no, you can have a show. You just don't want to change Veronica. And that's the larger problem here. So much so that you do a year time skip so that you don't have to deal with Veronica's grief. Like, that's how little you're interested in the emotional arc of this character. And is that you don't want to deal with the ramifications of the fact that she realized she was happy and wanted to be happy, and then you took that away. But you don't actually want to do that because you wanted to stay the same angry, brittle person she is. Because that's what you like writing for. Yeah. Okay, so I've really done my best, I think, to eliminate lazy writing from my vernacular. Because usually that's just lazy criticism. <laughs> because sure. somebody worked really hard on that script. Yes. Almost in depth, in like almost invariably. I think that Rob Thomas worked really hard in the script. I don't think he worked really hard in those yeah. last three pages. <laughs> the uh, but but the idea that your character can your show can only work if your lead character is tra traumatized, and you can't make an interesting show about a happy character is lazy writing. It's just harder. It's just yeah. different. You just can't fall back on the same tropes. You have to reinvent those tropes. You have to see, okay, who is, what is the Maltese Falcon if our hero still has his issues, but has something that he can actually hold on to? That actually makes it a more challenging, more interesting situation because then you have the contrast between, like, if you if there's no hope then there's no question. But if there are some people that you can rely on, it makes the question of if you can rely on that person a much more uh, measured and uh, interesting one. And so this idea that they felt like, well, basically we're going to have to either take away Keith or Logan. So let's spend the whole season hinting that, that we're getting rid of Keith and then actually pull out the rug, get rid of Logan. Like, the, I just assumed that it had to be, like, a casting thing. Like, Doring was like, I mean, I'll come back for this one, but, like, I'm kind of, I don't really want to do more. And that's what I just assumed. I did a quick Googling, 
makes it seem like that's not the case, but someone who knows better can reach out and let me know. Um, because there is like they wrote a perfectly good reason for why he's not around and why she could be frustrated and why she could be upset, but also, you know, like in a stable relationship or they could, you know, set, set up some, try to do some sort of, uh, you know, monogamish situation. So if they want to have her have different love interests, like there are things you could do and that could explain why he's not there, why she's out on a case and, and he's not in the show. Like you don't have to have him in every episode. Um, or in every season, if you don't want to, you don't have to explode him. Um, and the way that they did it, I thought, uh, was a bit much. But then again, I knew it was going to happen before I watched it. Yeah, I did too. I've known for like a month and a half. Oh, because of the <laughs> yeah, listeners, critics got spoiled. Um, really poorly conceived email from PR email from the Veronica Mars people. Um, but I thought that they were really holding your hand. To and that last those last things like oh no what if it means this oh no he said hero and the letter said hero like i thought it was very heavy-handed i did appreciate that they didn't show the explosion i guess i thought that that worked even though i would have liked a last moment with him with logan um I thought that the letter i thought the voicemail worked pretty well and i liked that it was like a very like it was very on the nose but it wasn't as affected as other people might have written and i would hope that we could see veronica in therapy at some point i would love it if the show was willing to do that i don't think they will be but i would love it if they were yeah i don't think that they are i mean the fact that they're willing to skip over the that whole year um to get the epilogue that they want I think indicates, again, like I said, the degree to which they're not interested in changing Veronica. And I appreciate the fact that Logan believes Veronica is strong, but Veronica isn't strong. She's resilient, but she's not strong. Like, there's a degree to which you need to be able to change. And he kept Mm -hmm. pushing for that. And grow, yeah. And he kept pushing for that, and she kept pushing back against it really aggressively. And, I mean, you can make space for getting super drunk with your with your, with your boyfriend and his jerk-bagged best friend. Um, God, Logan, the fact that Logan and Dick are still best friends is just, I think, really good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah. it's just that there's space for that. There's room for that, I think, is really lovely. But also... Yeah, you don't have to want kids, that's fine. But don't try to gin up conflict because it turns you on. So, yeah, disappointing. Um, I get what they're going for. I don't think that's a valid reason to do it. Yeah. Um, we need our character to be miserable is a stupid reason. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's real either. Um, <laughs> Jane the Virgin did it better. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyways, any final thoughts on Veronica Mars season four? If, if season five it, or is like a one, if, if it's a movie versus a season, will that make a difference for you? If it's, is there like a version of this show that you are interested in watching moving forward? Or is it just going to be kind of like dip in for the banter? Uh, it's probably going to be dip in for a banter. Thomas is talking very specifically about doing seasons. Um, he's not talking about doing movies, which is a mistake. 
Um, especially, he seems really dedicated to, and he's already got, I think, based on how he's talking, like a pretty solid version of what he wants to do for his murder at a manor sort of Agatha Christie thing. To which I go, mm-hmm. those aren't eight eight hours long. There's a reason those aren't eight hours long. You can't do that across eight hours. Um, you can do it across two or three. Yeah, maybe. But um, we've proven that you really only need an hour. Um, so yeah, movies are a better idea, but I mean, at the same time, like I'm compelled enough by performances on, I think morbid curiosity more than anything would drive me to season five, provided they get one. And also provided that it's on Hulu or if it's been moved to HBO max or what ends up happening with this as an IP given the shifts in streaming distribution and the fact that Warner media, which owns Veronica Mars will have its own dedicated streaming service by the time anything season five probably happens. Um, and how long the Hulu deal is for as well, I think, cause I don't know the terms of how long Hulu gets to have Veronica Mars or if they even get to keep season four. Um, yeah. 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 And then the only other thing I'll say is that, I mean, just maybe more Eliza Coop. I think more Eliza Coop is what we really need. Always more Eliza Coop. Yeah, I think we needed more Eliza Coop. Um, but what about you? How are you feeling? I mean, I'm, I'll probably watch it, but I certainly don't have, like, I'm not waiting with bated breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure that I will enjoy, and, and, like, I'm pretty sure I will enjoy whatever comes up, but I can't guarantee I won't be rolling my eyes at parts. I can't guarantee I won't be yelling problematic at the screen. Um, So we'll see. But I mean, I'm a sucker for pretty much anything, Kristen Bell, and I'll at least go in with a open mind to most things, Rob Thomas. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. On that very meh note, let us know what you thought of Veronica Mars season four. And uh, yeah, and, and, and the week's TV, the end of Jane's the Virgin, all of that. It's been a busy week. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. Or you can find us um, in Apple podcasts i'm still getting used to that with an m4a chaptered feed and mp3 unchaptered feed we'd appreciate ratings and reviews there as well as over on stitcher where you can find the m4a feed and we are both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk thanks so much for a great week kate thank you noel and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse (laughs) 